Market. The S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. G'day fools, I'm Scott Phillips, the Motley Fool's Chief Investment Officer, and welcome back to another Motley Fool Stock of the Week, the ever and increasingly popular series on YouTube and on podcast, where we bring you one of our buy recommendations from one of the Motley Fool services, straight for your listening and viewing pleasure, or otherwise if you don't like seeing my ugly mug. If you're listening on the podcast, by the way, well, you're avoiding that. That's the Motley Fool Money podcast if you're not already subscribed, and if you are and you want to see us in full living colour, then check out our YouTube channel. Just search The Motley Fool Australia on YouTube, and you can find this and a whole lot more. Fools, let me introduce to you Motley Fool analyst extraordinaire, all-round good bloke, Drew Flowers. G'day, mate. How are you? Not too bad, Scott. Thanks for having me. Pleasure, mate. Thank you for joining us. You're going to bring us a recommendation now, mate. Before we reveal it, or like maybe maybe the title's given it away, but before we reveal it verbally at least, um, a couple of things I wanted to share with our listeners and viewers. The first are my usual lots, always my same three rules. The first is... We're going to give you a buy recommendation that exists as a buy at the time of recording. It could change between now and whenever you're listening to or watching this video. If this is in months and years ahead, maybe it's not still a buy. Maybe it is. But this is a buy as of early August 2021. The second is we're long-term investors. We're looking for long-term market-beating stocks. We have no view, no recommendation, no expectation over days or even weeks or even months, maybe not even years. We're looking at three to five years and beyond with our recommendations. And lastly, as always, this is personal advice, not general. So it's general advice. I get that wrong every week. This is general advice, not personal advice. So we'll tell you we think a company's a buy. It's up to you to make sure it suits your circumstances or see a licensed financial advisor if you need more help and uh, more information on that. All right, that's out of the way, Drew. Let's drum roll, please. This company, this buy recommendation, it's a relatively new one for us. The company is Aussie Broadband and the code is ABB. Now, I'm going to ask you my regular questions, and the first one, given the company's name, possibly not a huge surprise to our to our listeners and viewers, but the question is, what exactly does Aussie Broadband do? No, you're right, Scott. It uh, shouldn't be a shock, uh, and I think a lot of people would have seen their ads on TV as well with the, with the hose recently. Uh, they've sort of upped the marketing spend recently, but basically it's a, an internet provider, uh, mostly NBN services, so uh, at home when you want to connect to the internet, you, you're looking at uh, Telstra, TPG, Optus, uh, and uh, ever increasingly Aussie Broadband. And it kind of is ever increasingly, right? Because this is when you I think you bought this idea to us up front when you joined the Motley Fool, and you finally persuaded me to recommend it for the service that we work on together, Motley Fool Share Advisor. As I said, it is, you know, the name is what it says on the tin Aussie, and it's broadband, and that's pretty straightforward. It is, though, to some degree, well, largely an NBN reseller. And if you're reselling a commodity product, if you're, if you're retailing a commodity, you kind of got to think, well, what's in it for, for any of the players? Not only that, but this is a pretty slow-growing category. It was a reasonable effort you had to make to get me over the line on this one because at face value alone, this is not something that should be a market-beating stock. If you, can make, if you can beat the market reselling broadband, the same broadband everyone else is reselling, it's kind of reasonably impressive. But Aussie's making a different play at the market. It's a small player. It's a price fighter. Not price fighter. It's, it's a service fighter. It's trying to fight on brand and on, on performance. And people seem to love it. What, what's differentiating Aussie Broadband? Why, why Aussie Broadband, not Telstra or Optus or TPG? Yeah, great question. And on the face of it, you, you, know, you look at the industry, um, maybe it grows 2% a year, probably not too much faster. People are subscribing to higher plans. There are more people 
you know, subscribing to the internet. It's not 100% of people in Australia that have the internet. There is population growth, but as you say, really slow growing industry. Yeah. But like um, other industries, there's there's the opportunity to win on the basis of customer service. If the product is really the same and the price is more or less the same, you're going with the one that uh, signs you up easily when you call them and you have any issues, they solve it really quickly. And uh, it's really, that's what they're doing. They're doing, you know, promotions, marketing on the TV, sponsoring football teams, things like that. And that all helps. But really what people love about Aussie Broadband is when you have a problem, you call them up and you get an Australian call centre. What we've seen over the years in things like telecommunications and banking and other financial services is that they've moved these call centres offshore. And, you know, they try and pretend that, you know, they talk about the weather or something like that. And yes, <laughs> but at the end of the day, you can tell that they don't always understand the unique problem that you have. And so Aussie's got all their call centres locally and, and they have a specialist in each little team that can solve the problem from start to finish. So you get the same customer service representative, but then if they have an issue, they bring it directly to the, the technical specialist in their team and they can solve that problem for you on the spot. And people are really loving the service that they're getting. And, and there's particularly people who are subscribing to these higher speed services, you know, above 50 megs a second really. So it's 100 and even higher. These are people that really need their internet. They might be small business owners. They might be big families that are using, you know, 12 streaming devices at the same time, <laughs> and they really want their internet to work all the time. And so uh, these high-value customers are subscribing to Aussie. And so we look at it and we go, wow, they've only got 4 or 5% of the market. So it's 4.9% according to them as of uh, two days ago. And we think that they can get to maybe 10% over time. And we've seen this story kind of play out before, actually, with Iron. You know, it was a similar business over in WA, great customer service, not the lowest prices, basically the same as a lot of the other providers. And they really got a lot of people signing on with this great customer service. So we think the opportunity is there. We really like the management team, really kind of a straightforward approach, great culture. And we think that uh, this can be a much bigger business over time. Man, I like that. So many questions I want to bring, I want to bring out. The first, I suppose, is you mentioned it could double uh, in terms of market share. Now that's kind of goodish. Uh, instinctively, you think, well, hang on, if it's going to double size, that's the ups, maximum upside. Maybe it doubles profit, but there's a decent amount of operating leverage that probably should come to play as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. So at the moment, so the market share four point nine percent, which have the market grows a little bit. They're taking between eight and a half and nine and a half market share each quarter. You can go onto the NBN website and sort of check those numbers. So we think, you know, sort of maybe towards 10% over time. Um, but then, as you say, there is a lot of operating leverage. And the big thing, I think, to, to focus on as well is that they're doing a fibre project. And without getting into the sort of nitty-gritty, you can kind of think about this as buying your house versus renting it. There's a lot of infrastructure they use to connect to the NBN that uses Telstra's infrastructure. Right. And at the moment, they're doing a big project to replace all of that. Well, 67% of that. And so when they do that, these costs that they're paying to Telstra will go away. And so they're, they're saying it's going to add about 15 mil of uh, 
operating cash flow per year. But then as you say, when they add new subscribers on after that, they're not paying these additional fees. A lot of that just goes straight to the bottom line. So, yep, sales could double. And then we think on top of that, they've got a great opportunity to grow their operating margins. And then a little bit of an opportunity in the white label space as well. So you may have seen recently they're doing a deal with Origin. And so Origin Energy, you can bundle in your electricity, gas, and now your internet as well. And the way that works is Aussie does the connections, Aussie does the customer service, but when you get your electricity bill, it has your electricity, your gas, and your internet all bundled in together, and you should be able to get a discount across the three services. Hmm. Makes perfect sense. But the other thing that you mentioned as we were talking was, you said people are loving the service. And I'm going to editorialize just slightly here. I'm a Telstra customer. I'm largely, generally speaking, a happy Telstra customer. I'm also a Telstra shareholder for full disclosure. Um, but every now and again, I, I have want to take to Twitter and abuse Telstra, not abuse them, to, to, to ask them, to highlight my problems and ask them for help. And when I do that, mate, I would have, I'm going to say six to 10 people every single time say, hey, have you tried Aussie? You've got to try Aussie. Sign up with Aussie. They're great. And it's... I, that's no small thing. Like you know, it's it, yes, people love their love cast, love you know, love brands, they love their clothing brands or their sports brands or their something. Not many people tend to love their telecommunications provider. In the US, the cable TV networks are the most despised brands in the country. Now, this is not just cable TV; this is broadband internet. But by the same token, when you're a utility provider, you don't generally expect to hear people say they love dealing with Aussie broadband or they love it, you should try it. There is a genuine amount of kind of just huge amounts of goodwill already built up in that business and that's part of what they're trading on, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you made a great point. Uh, I think Comcast, uh, the cable provider, I think it's the number two most hated company in the United States, which is right, right. some sort of achievement. Then on the other hand, I'd, I'd, I'd point you out to um, uh, Virgin, the Virgin brands, for example. So when he was yeah, going right. into telecommunications, so Virgin provides internet in the UK, for example, and when they were doing their first studies, they actually looked at providing a cola product. And what they found is that even the cola that they made that people liked and said the price was fine, they couldn't get away from Coca-Cola because people really loved that and they thought the price was fine. But the advantage here is that the competition, it's not that people love Telstra or people love Optus. They might use them. They might think it's fine or they might hate them, but it's very few people that passionately support them. And so there's a real opportunity here to develop a brand that people do love hmm. and can differentiate that, that product. And so, yeah, when, when we see on, on Facebook and Twitter and places like that, um, they really have passionate fans. And I would add that prior to the IPO, all the subscribers got the chance to buy the stock at a dollar. And so they're sitting on a pretty healthy game, and I don't think that would have hurt either. Right, right. There you go. They've done well. Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. I mean, I, so, many, so many other places I want to take this. A second point I guess I, I'm mindful of is this is, you know, when we talk about innovation and disruption, we're often talking about tech companies and software businesses and that kind of stuff. 
the Aussie broadband story, it, it's hard to be an innovator and be successful, right? So many businesses die on the launch pad. They never quite get escape velocity to use the, to use the kind of wanky tech term. Um, these guys have got there. And once you do manage that, being an innovator, being the small guy, being the, the wannabe, the would-be, that's a disadvantage for a long time. And then once you hit that escape velocity, it becomes a massive advantage, right? So as you as you mentioning, you know, the, the call centers here, the way they manage their staff, the culture, the systems, the processes, these have all been designed from the ground up. Telstra, I don't know how many legacy systems they still have. At one point, they had hundreds of legacy systems integrated. And I, I remember someone saying to me, I think it was a neighbor, saying that something like they spend something like two or three times as much integrating a new piece of software as is spent on the software itself, such is the, the complexity. I imagine if you're Aussie Broadband or maybe another innovator, but if you get to start from scratch, you build your culture, you build your systems, you build your processes. As I said, for a long time, that's a disadvantage because you're losing money, you're trying to get scale. Once you've crossed that tipping point, all of a sudden it's kind of a runaway train, right? Like that's actually part of the what, what makes the secret sauce so impressive is you get to do all this stuff from start without all of those those legacy issues and the, 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 the kind of baggage that comes with, with old businesses. Yeah, absolutely. And those kind of things are sometimes hard for us analysts and, and other people to see from the outside. Um, but I think a sort of a, a good recent example of that is Macquarie Bank, actually, in the in the home okay. loan space. So the other bank, they've really accelerated their, their home loan growth over the last couple of years because they didn't have those legacy systems that the other banks had. Right. They've come in. Yeah. Great new system, great technology, and then away they go. Yes, we can do this quickly. We can improve it. And that's what you quite rightly saying about Aussie as well. Mm. And when it's small like that and you can design the call centres the way you want, you can get the feedback from the people that work there. Oh, this works. That doesn't work. When we're doing the white label deal with Origin, we want it to come up and tell us that it's an Origin customer, not an Aussie customer. Mm. And so there's that close working relationship to get all of those systems right. Um, and even they they highlight, which is, again, difficult from the outside to see, but the way that they manage the broadband bandwidth, they have these systems to kind of trade between the peak and the off-peak periods. Right. And th- their systems seem to be very efficient at doing that. So, yeah, I think the, the cult, and it attracts people that want to work in that kind of, get it done atmosphere. The trouble with working at somewhere like Telstra, even if you have, even if you're a great employee and you have great ideas, sometimes actually getting stuff done can really just crush your morale. <laughs> it can. I don't even blame the big companies sometimes, <laughs> mate. Like, you know, they, they want to do their best. They're trying their best. Just it's really, really hard to, to, you know, it's the old sort of turning an aircraft carrier, right? It's just so bloody hard to do. Even with the best will in the world, it still takes miles and miles and miles to turn an aircraft carrier. I think the same probably applies in this space, which is to Aussie's benefit. I should ask quickly, do you own shares in Aussie Broadband? I do, absolutely, yes. Cool. So let's put that on the record for disclosure. Um, let's move now to the risks, mate. Even though it's a recommendation, even though you own the shares, this is not an investment that's devoid of risk. No investment is. And we'd be doing our, our viewers and our listeners a disservice if we didn't spend a little bit of time at least talking about those. So maybe you could just give me a quick rundown on the risks that face in investment in Aussie Broadband. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess the first thing is that the rate of the, the industry growth, as we talked about, is quite slow. And so as they gain more market share, we'd expect their growth to slow over time. It's, there will be a point, you know, whether it's 10%, whether it's 12%, you know, uh, I mean, TPG now has, I think, 22 or 
there's a point at which it will be difficult to get more market share. The other thing is that they have to rely on the NBN in particular. I mean, uh, Britt, the, the, the CEO, he's talked about how NBN is going to continually upgrade over time and that over the long term they think they should be able to get half the network up to one gigabit speeds. Wow. We don't know how long that's going to take. But <laughs> <laughs> things move slowly sometimes. And we've seen this year as well the NBN's had some issues be sort of out of their control because there's been a semiconductor shortage and so it's been difficult to connect people. So in a way, Aussie is relying on NBN infrastructure and that makes things more difficult. Uh, there's always competition. So these big guys, you know, Telstra and Optus and TPG, you know, they are slower moving, but they do have good financial resources. They do have smart people. Um, and the other thing is in Certain situations, particularly in regional areas and sometimes sort of fringe in the suburbs, there will be other technologies like fixed wireless and potentially satellite that will take on some customers. That's a big one, that last one. I, You know, there's the Elon Musk Starlink project. There's Telstra's own or the MBN's own Skymaster, I think they call it. Um, I, I've got a mate who lives in the, well, not exactly in the city of Sydney, but they, they, they're very close in the west in Sydney, and they're using fixed uh, 5G, 5G Wi-Fi effectively mm. in their home. From the 5G tower down the road, there's no more connected NBN. It's just all done through there. Uh, what If you kind of fast forward five or ten years and you think about an Aussie broadband investment, a, a shareholding, for example, how worried are you that the new technologies really do start to cut the NBN's lunch? So I think it will depend where you live. Uh, I think it will be a combination of technologies depending on your, uh, the circumstances. There's no doubt that satellite works best in remote and sort of very regional areas. And I think Starlink will be competing directly with the NBN there. It's quite a good product, but again, it's not cheap. Mm. Um, the startup costs and the ongoing costs are quite expensive. Yeah. For fixed wireless, there's definitely an application for it. And uh, TPG Vodafone has talked quite extensively about that, particularly in the suburban edge, and for the lower speed tiers. So if you're on 12 or 25 megs a second, that might work. When you get up to the higher speeds and when you get more densely urban areas, or there's just a lot of obstructions, like whether there's trees or buildings, five, the fixed wireless doesn't work as well because it needs that direct line of sight between uh, your house and where the signal is projected from. So I think fixed lines, especially if you can get up to sort of one gig a second and, um, you know, maybe you'll get better fibre. Maybe over time the NBM will get fibre closer to each premises and so those speeds will actually increase as well. But I think uh, fixed line will work best in the majority of situations and you'll get fixed wireless in the suburbs and then in regional areas, the satellite, if I was a futurist, which I'm not. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Mate, before we ask you for your elevator pitch, just a reminder to our viewers and listeners, you can get hold of The Motley Fool in a dozen different ways, but let's go through the most important ones. The first is the podcast. I mentioned that at the top, Motley Fool Money. If you're not yet a subscriber, download a podcast app or use the one that's already on your phone. Look for Motley Fool Money every single week, episodes like this plus others in your podcast feed for free. If you're listening to the podcast and you're not yet on our YouTube channel, do the other one. Go to YouTube, search The Motley Fool Australia. You can get all of this content and more 
for free, including, by the way, a deep dive we did recently on Afterpay and its takeover by Square. You don't want to miss that one. On top of that, you can jump on social media and get me and The Motley Fool. So if you want to get The Motley Fool on Twitter, go to The Motley Fool AU. It is the same as our Instagram account at The Motley Fool AU. You can get me on Twitter and Insta at TMF Scott P. On Facebook, jump on The Motley Fool Australia. No surprise there. And I'm Scott Phillips Money on Facebook. So lots of different ways to connect. Please do connect. Like, follow, subscribe, all that good stuff. Speaking of which, if you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe and hit the notification bell so you get sent these videos as soon as they turn up because that's important. All right, let's get that out of the way. Mate, here is where the rubber hits the road. I'd like to know your elevator pitch. Tell our listeners and viewers why in 60 seconds or so they should consider an investment in Aussie Broadband. So Aussie Broadband, it's got low market share. It's taking share away from the big guys through great customer service. When you personally are going to look at who you're providing your internet with, it's one of the top one, possibly two providers. It's going to grow margins when it grows subscribers. And we really like the management team and the culture. There you go. Even less than 60 seconds, Drew Flowers. Well done. Thank you, mate, for joining us. For the Aussie broadband story, the code is ABB on the ASX. It is currently a recommendation of at least one of our servers, I think a couple actually. So check out Aussie broadband. We think it's an investment that will be market beating over time. Fools, thank you for spending a little bit of time with us and our most recent stock of the week. Again, I hope you'll subscribe to some, or maybe all, of those social and uh, other distribution platforms because that's where you can find us for free right across the internet. Until next time, thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and full on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.